So SEMA obviously is the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association. Market Association. Specialty Equipment Market Association. So it's technically a organization that is for aftermarket parts. It's not necessarily for the OEMs. Some of the OEMs still participate. However, the OEMs still participate, and up till this year, most of them did. At least, most At least of the, the American ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. But however, this year, the only domestic brand to be represented there was Dodge. And they had two booths. They, they had Dodge had, and Mopar. Yep, two big booths. And also, the other big OEM that we saw was Toyota and Lexus. Which took the big front and center stage. Correct. Where I guess used to be where Chevrolet was. Correct. I was told. But no, again, Ford. I've never been there, I so Ford I don't know for a fact. There, right? One of the big OEMs was there before. And the other OEM that I saw was Volkswagen. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, Volkswagen's booth was very interesting. It was almost like tucked in to the side. It was definitely not in a main area. It took us you know, a couple days before we even knew it was there, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, it did. W- were there any other OEM manufacturers represented there, or was that it? No. Yeah, I think that I think was that's it. it. And if there was another one and we didn't see it, then I guess we missed it. Yeah, technically, you could argue there were some of these smaller specialty manufacturers sure. were there with vehicles, but as far as like what you expect volume yeah, production one of the wise, big production companies. I was I was gonna say, you know, it's surprising that Lexus and Toyota had such a big presence, but on the other hand, I think about it, it's like, well, Toyota seems to be making more of a push to offer performance models you know they have the trd versions of the avalon and the camry and then of course the new supra now they have the uh v8 powered is so in hindsight it it does it does make sense so i listened to a presentation by one of the toyota pr people and one of the big things and one of the big reasons they have such a big presence is all the cars you mentioned but you did not mention the fact that there is a new gr86 this year oh yeah and there's also the brand new and very exciting gr corolla this year yeah so those are huge but one of the biggest things that they were pushing at their booth was the gr accessory catalog oh okay so they're producing all of these parts to go along with the cars that you can buy brand new that the way they're marketing them is you can buy your brand new car and if you want this cold air intake or exhaust or a different set of wheels or for the trucks like a, a push bar for the front or even as far as a rooftop tent you can purchase that at the time of your new car purchase and just roll all that stuff into your financing and then it's you know warranty and all that kind everything of stuff. is covered yeah. under the same warranty the car would have covered initially as long as it's a gr part i think some of the accessory parts like a rooftop tent and stuff obviously are not but if you you know, put one of the Toyota branded parts on there, then they are covered. But it's they're trying to get that whole like, you know, when the car is brand new, get some more money in house versus yeah, right. have Other the person spend outside afterwards. Typical floor mats that are usually optional. Sure thing. All weather floor mats. Right. And a clear sticker for the rear bumper so you don't scratch it. <laughs> yes. Oh, and you got to get that true accessories. Code. You know what? Yes, though. exactly. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Nargard over here. It's, uh, yeah, I didn't look too much at the, the trucks uh, for Toyota's booth, sure. unfortunately. I looked more at the Dodge Ram stuff. There were some really cool Rams um, as well. But one of the, wouldn't it surprise me if they were doing stuff with aftermarket manufacturers? Because, for example, uh, the first one that comes to mind is Dodge had their Challenger convertible in their booth, which that is not done by Dodge. It's just Dodge approves it, and then they send it to a company in Florida, I believe, that does the conversion. So they'll it'll, they'll send it from the factory to Florida for you before you get your convertible. That's a tradition that goes back to 
the beginning of automobiles. I mean, in the teens and twenties, you had coach builders that right. you know, the manufacturer would send the the chassis and firewall and radiator to, and they'd put their own body on it. Or then the convertible part is, <clears throat> excuse me, was popular in the seventies and eighties. Uh, one of the big companies was uh, American Sunroof Corporation, yep. ASC in California. Yep. And another big one was Stroman, which I think was also in California. Stroman did more of the foreign stuff. They did, I know they did a CRX and some other little Japanese cars. And then American Sunroof Corporation did pretty much anything you would send them. So, well, and there were some other ones too. There were some European ones. Like uh, one of the more famous ones is the E21 BMW 320, 323 was the Bauer conversion, B A U R. That was a German in House, or not in-house, but in-country conversion to make like a target top kind of convertible for BMW. So I mean, yeah, this could be a discussion for another time. But what I was going to bring up is how it seems like a lot of those manufacturers have actually brought that in-house. Typically, um, they don't really do aftermarket, right? It, Mercedes ended up absorbing AMG sure. and things like that. And for example, uh, Moliner which is Bentley's in-house customization. Yep. McLaren has MSO. All of them typically do that in-house now. They well, don't they, usually export. They've always had some sort of in-house customization place. Like, you know, Mitsubishi had Rally Art and Ford had SVO or SVT or right. whatever, the, now whatever Ford it's called now. Yeah, in it's, changed, it's changed a lot. So yep. they, they've all had these in-house performance teams, but I think that these, ex- these external, like, super invasive modifications have always been taken outside of the manufacturer like if if but usually it's not like condoned and like a we'll do it for you type of thing usually you talk to that company yeah i guess you're right like you know, no because the asc cars were sold brand new from dealers so that was not mm-hmm. a yeah Shel- well shelby too is shelby's so. not owned by ford there is shelby ford or there's yeah ford shelby's yeah. and there's shelby american shelby's sure yeah and shelby american shelby's are still sold at ford dealerships correct so anyway, it's it's not unheard of for a manufacturer <laughs> to have a external company do something to their car and then sell it brand new as that car. I mean, look at the late 2000s Camaros and the Firebird Firehawks. They were built as brand new Camaros and then shipped to SLP Engineering to have all the SS or Firehawk parts put in and then shipped back to the dealer and sold as brand new Camaros and Firebirds. So it's not mm. it's not unheard of. It's it's certainly something that's been going on for a long time. But yeah, so those are the OEM manufacturers that were at SEMA. Before we get too deep into SEMA coverage, as a first timer going to SEMA this year, I know I was and you were as well. I was as well, yep. Your expectations versus what you saw. Did you expect more or less, or was it pretty much what you thought it was going to be? You know, I'm going to be honest. I my expectations were actually pretty low, um, being that it is an industry sort of networking event. I expected a lot more like demonstrations and booths with people talking to you about potential products, and not as many cars as there were. Like it seems like. All the big booths had a minimum of four or five cars. Oh, 100%. And then not to mention, like, all the individual cars parked outside. The amount of actual events that go on in terms of, like, entertainment purpose stuff was, Mm -hmm. I guess, a little bit shocking. Um, But almost every booth had something to offer um, in terms of, like, interesting engagement for stuff. So just the sheer volume of stuff, I think, is what shocked me the most. I, I think in this world that we live in where everybody is saying that car enthusiasm is going to go the way of the, you know, the horse or it's going to be something only a select few people are going to be into walking into a hall that had 1.2 million square feet of indoor display space and another 1 million square feet of exterior display space. And there wasn't 
much empty floor no. and there were 120,000 people and there was millions and millions and millions of dollars spent in this stuff. It's certainly this whole, the industry is dying. Car culture is going away is certainly not true. No. There's absolutely no chance. No chance. Yeah. The technology might change like, you know, switching from ice to EV, but cars and interest in them is not going, going no. anywhere. And then again, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast in the past. Like, I don't think any of us think that EV is going to 100% replace ICE cars, at least not in any time that we can see, foresee in the near future. I don't think that even any of us will probably live to a time when there's not still gas cars out running or a gas pump at the corner of your neighborhood that you can fill up your gas car at. Mm-hmm. But the mix of EV and internal combustion vehicles at SEMA was still probably 90% internal combustion. There was not a huge presence. There were a couple of pretty big... There were like some EV-focused areas that had builds and even some of the manufacturer builds that were used. Um, For example, the uh, Ford F100, the uh, 78? Yeah, I think so. Ford F100, the gray one, actually, they had it there, which was used as a way for Ford to promote their now EV crate motor Mm -hmm. that is the Mach-E's platform engine. and... Interestingly enough, some of the EV stuff that was there doesn't make sense to us a lot. But hey, there's a market there. And for some it. of it caught fire. Some of it caught fire. Oh boy, <laughs> um, yeah, there was uh, like in the Borla booth, they had a Mach E, which confused us because Borla is an exhaust company. Yeah, and the Mach E has no exhaust, so that was a little <laughs> interesting to have. And I think you got a special presentation and yes. talked to the guys over there. So. For, for the sake of not spoiling it, we did uh, film an interview that'll be going up on our YouTube channel, specifically the Classic Cars YouTube channel, so go get subscribed to that uh, corporate chill brag. But uh, we spoke with David Borla, um, and so he talked all about it. It's actually a system that's going to be equipped on all Shelby Mach-E's from the factory, and it's going to be available aftermarket. Um not just on the Mach-E, but potentially other vehicles in the future with more stuff getting added. So sure. definitely worth the watch. But it's a really interesting system that could be very interesting comment sections going both ways on that one. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a divisive thing, much like the exhaust. The I don't want to say fake. I guess fake's the word. It's fake, fake in a sense. It's inspired by Borla exhausts from other vehicles, but can actually be tuned to whatever sound you want. So if you wanted your EV to sound like a loud Jetsons Spaceship, I could. Think, I think you mentioned at the show that we should make it sound like the screaming goats from the latest yes. Thor movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, there's so much meme potential with a system like that. Yeah, there really is. So I think that with the uh, controversy that the Hellcat Banshee has put out there, I'm sure this will at least add to that for the sound. The, the fake piped out sounds. Which... To add to that, at SEMA, this is an industry thing, so they had the Hellcat Banshee that they were revving, and it was sitting on four drag slicks, which was a pretty Correct. wild thing to see, but it's, I, we understand that electric cars are really fast, particularly in a short amount of space, yeah. perfect for the quarter mile. Particularly in dark. Yep. But one of the other cool things that Dodge was doing at SEMA is they had a sound testing booth where they were asking for people's thoughts on different sounds and things like that for the Banshee. So it sounds like it's something they're actively engineering and working on. So the Trying production to make car could be totally different from everything we've seen so far. I, I have a thought on this whole process. And I don't know, Derek, maybe you can weigh in on this as well, because you were not at SEMA, but this is certainly a kind of a universal talking point. EVs are quiet. Yep. Should we just leave them that way? So it's perfect for Rolls Royce. Right. I think I think it makes sense for a luxury brand to move in that direction. But EVs are quiet. 
Right. Should we yeah. just leave our EVs quiet? Do we need to make no, them make noise? Because well, depending on who, what car you build, it rattles and makes other noises that might be uncomfortable I'm not, I'm for not those. I'm talking in the about cabin. converting a vintage car to an EV car. I'm talking about building a brand new car from the manufacturer. Should we make it make noise? Should we make it obnoxious? Um, I, I think you know there's going to be people that want at least the option of that but as long as that option is defeatable like you can turn it off now on the outside obviously you want it to make enough noise to alert people to its presence you know if there's somebody that's visually impaired you know trying to cross the street obviously you know for legal reasons all that kind of stuff but I mean, moral um, reasons at that point. Yeah, I was yeah, exactly. I would hope you, the driver, would not want to hit somebody yeah. with your EV. Yeah, um, but you know, if if there's somebody that wants their car on the outside to make a more amplified or you know gutsier noise, fine. Uh, I I wouldn't want that to be you know the only sound it makes. I'd like to, if I wanted to, if I was in an EV like that, be able to turn it off. Now, touching upon the Mach E. Uh, they have a variety of, you know, the different drive modes um, kind of ratchet up the the sound that you hear on the inside, which obviously is generated. But I didn't really mind it that much because they had such a, such a challenge with that vehicle, having used the Mustang name. Obviously, they needed to have some sort of spirit or DNA of the conventional Mustang in there. And by offering you know some sort of propulsion sound in it that gets them a step closer to that goal so i understand that and here's the thing i'm glad they didn't you know just go ahead and oh yeah we just put the sound of like a gt500 or a, a mustang gt in here right it sounded like as odd as it sounds it sounded like it sounded right for an EV. And even though it was a generated sound, it had this space age futuristic sound to it. So it fit the vehicle that I was in, even though it was completely manufactured. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting one. This is why I brought up the Jetsons noises earlier, because I kind of agree (laughs) with where you're coming from. There is a certain sound that we expect to hear from an EV that isn't a combustion engine noise. That being said, one of the things I appreciate about combustion engines is it gives you a sense of speed. How often do you see somebody in an electric car driving ridiculously fast, pulling off from a light, doing yeah. you know zero to sixty in two seconds? Every a lot, time. right? Yeah. Right. So if there is something in the car that provided a sense of speed or to tell you how fast you were going and stuff like that, I think that would be heading in the right direction. But maybe that's a different sound from what we're used to from internal combustion engines. Uh, touching on that, um, and I'm going to be corporate shill, Derek, so I can join the club because yes. you guys. You have, have to, that, yes. the crown. Um, so I wrote a review for uh, the ClassicCars.com journal uh, a while ago on the Mustang Mach-E. Mm-hmm. And touching on the sensation of speed, I think what's, uh, aside from just power and everything, one thing that makes internal combustion engines, uh, internal combustion cars so thrilling is, in addition to the sound and the acceleration, is particularly in, let's say, a Mustang GT in the sport drive mode, you can feel the transmission bucking into the next gear. So you have that physical drama to it. Mm -hmm. And one thing that, you know, the EVs I've driven is uh, lack is a multi-speed transmission. Now, the power, the torque is instant and it's potent, but you don't get that physical drama. It's just, it's too smooth. 
there's no power band per se. There's no having to be the right RPM at the right moment in the right year. It's just punch it and go, which is, I guess, idiot proof is what we're looking for here. But yeah, I, I, touching on what you said though, Jeff, about the sound and about the people driving too fast in their EVs, basically, yep. is what you're suggesting the sound might help people be a little more responsible because a they don't want everybody around them knowing that they're accelerating full force because let's let's be honest if you're in a louder car you know it makes a lot of noise at the back you're not going to drive for lack of a better word like a jerk in the parking lot because a you don't want everybody looking at you and saying who's this guy driving too fast and why is driving so fast or the electric car it's so quiet that just kind of you kind of forget and just drive too fast. Well, it doesn't need to be an external audio noise per se, but I think it's just something for feedback for the driver mostly. Because, like, for me personally, if you're going into a turn, right, you uh, it depends on where you live, I suppose. But if you live in mountainy areas, sometimes you have those signs, you know, the yellow signs that say, hey, you know, you should do, like, 15 around this turn. Sure. If you're driving an EV, you might not just think anything about it, right? You might naturally slow down hearing your engine noise, but if you're in an EV, you might just go in there at 50 miles an hour going, ah, whatever, it's just I'm in my EV. And then you might fly off the edge. And as far as the accelerating hard part, I think that falls to the manufacturers to maybe limit certain things like a Tesla Model X is an SUV. That doesn't need to be able to do zero to 60 in less than three seconds. Listen, I have a conversation here about freedom right now is probably what's going to happen next. So let's, <sighs> let's steer clear of this conversation because it already exists. The cars are already too fast. I think we've talked about the democratization of speed in the past in this podcast. Like it's too easy to get a fast car. It's too easy to have a car that's well beyond your driving capability. Yes. You know, it used to be you had to build a car. So you respected it more. And now you just buy these I mean, you can go to the dealership and any one of us could probably get a loan and buy a Tesla that does a quarter mile in 11 seconds. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're financing, baby. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sad that any of us could just do that. So, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that a 13 second manufacturer street car was like, oh my God, fast. You and there's going to, there's going to come a time of, we might already be in this time frame where like, uh, uh, college kid or even a high school kid if they save up enough money they can get a used hellcat challenger sure i don't know if those will ever get that low well the ratty ones the problem the problem isn't uh the child being able to afford the car because the price has gone down the problem is the child's parents going okay cool here you go here's 90 grand (laughs) i mean (laughs) go have at it i think this is always that's always happened that's not there move back to topic here we switched into like an ev conversation because um i'm i'm curious to see where even evs will be right and in that long a time will you be able to buy a used ev or will they all be landfill but that's a discussion for another time and that's the only time will tell us that one and just like anything else i mean there was you know god rewind 25 30 years ago when hot rod magazine was saying it was the end of hot rodding back then and it wasn't it's happened a lot you look at that it's happened over and over and over again this yeah. this is the last straw this is the end of the performance yeah, car last it's production not gonna happen GNX, ever again the yeah it's great then, for clicks and then you had digital dashboards people were like oh these digital dashboards well these cars are 10 years old they're all going in the landfill and then people figured out how to fix them hey, ACUs, hey no. people are never going to fix these cars and then people figured out how to fix them you know led taillights oh well, these taillights go bad you're never going to be able to fix them guess what people figured out how to fix them well, unless LEDs. you have an xlr no that's the housing itself is the problem not the actual bulbs inside but no led taillights when they first started coming out one of the big fears was well when these taillights go bad do you have to throw the car away because I can't get new taillights? That discussion happened multiple times. That's That but, sounds crazy to me. The amount of people I watch on the internet regularly build their own headlights and taillights. But at the time, 
think back, it's what, 1988 when this technology is coming out and it's space age stuff to, to normal people because LEDs didn't exist. They, they were, they were, new, I they were worried about LEDs going out. I, because you weren't even born yet. You well, were born you know, at a time when iPad LEDs were brains. commonplace. You know what I mean? So put yourself in the eyes of somebody who had grown up with nothing but bulbs, and now you give them this completely sealed unit that just lights up, and they're afraid it's going to break and never work again. And guess what? People figured out how to fix it. So people not only do people figure out how to fix it, it's such a non-issue that you can't even consider it being an issue. But no, there was a time yeah. where it was an issue. <laughs> so we're in that same situation now with EVs where we're saying, what's going to happen? It's 10, 15 years old. We're just going to throw them all away. We can't even fix them. But guess what? 10, 15 years from now, we can probably fix them. There'll be some kind of home technology you can use to fix these cars. And that's just... That's just the march of time and technology. That's how it works with everything. And the aftermarket. And the aftermarket and the whole Speaking SEMA Speaking of thing. aftermarket, yeah, back to back SEMA. Back to SEMA. So one of the things I wanted to highlight, just because I thought it was funny. So we talked about the uh, EV fire thing. There was a uh, EV contraption that, bit on, that lit on fire. Uh, was we, The only reason we know is because we were talking at another right booth. Where it was it. rolled next to us. And we were just inhaling whatever fumes were coming off of it, going, huh, that probably shouldn't be inside right now. Yeah. Um, but anywho, for not spending too much on that, it was eventually wheeled outside. Um, but uh, the other crazy thing I thought was we went to the Hoonigan Burnyard and we watched before, the, before we get to that let's rewind back to this EV fire for a second oh okay because I know it's very controversial and yep. a lot of people are saying oh EVs now's not the time blah 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 the problem with that EV was that it was used improperly at the time yes I've heard they were kind of revving them they and were challenging like, other were people with EV like stuff break, like brake torquing it in the booth Oh wow! Yeah, so if you were doing that with a gas-powered car, it would have, also it would also eventually overheat yes. and probably catch on fire. So the misuse of the vehicle is what led to the fire. It didn't just catch on fire on its own, just sitting there. So just to kind of take a step back from that a little bit, like pe- people in the booth were abusing the vehicle when it caught on fire. It wasn't just oh my god, EVs trying to burn down everybody in SEMA. Yeah, it wasn't just I, spontaneous. I did combustion. inhale enough smoke that I did Google mesobook.com on the way home just in case. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. Well, occupational hazard. Yes. <laughs> what, what I will say is the amount of knowledge I have based on EV battery systems and how all that works has increased tremendously because of said vehicle catching yeah, on fire. It seems like we know more about how to put the fire out one of those now than the Las yes. Vegas Fire Department did because they certainly had no idea what they were doing when they were spraying whatever chemical they were spraying on it that was doing nothing. Yeah, so oh, it looked like somebody had tried to use an extinguisher inside of SEMA on it. And then the fire department proceeded to try the same thing later, which if you don't know anything about batteries, they're sealed units. Correct. So if there's a reaction with lots of smoke coming off inside of the battery, what good will spraying something on the exterior of the sealed battery do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. So what was happening was we would see puff of smoke and then it would look like it stopped and that would puff more smoke again. I have the technical explanation and, for this. Yeah, okay, okay, I do too, but go ahead and do it. So it's sure. called thermal runaway. Yes. And what happens is, is a battery starts to break down cell by cell. So every puff of smoke was which Brad was referring to down. was a new yep. cell deteriorating. Yeah, thermal runaway is a real thing. It is scary. However, your gas car can catch on fire too. So yep. it's not specific to electric cars that can catch on fire. It's just it becomes news whenever an electric car catches on fire because it's the new technology that everyone wants to blame so true i mean hey it 
it, it is scary because it's unknown. I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, yeah, we didn't want to stand anywhere near that. I they, didn't want to be anywhere was, near it. 100. When they rolled it next to us, I was offended. Like, get this uh, thing away from uh, us. Yes. First of all, they were rolling it towards doors that were human sized. I don't know what they planned on doing with those doors because it wasn't going to fit through. Yeah. There was an overhead door there, but that overhead door just went to the bathroom section. Didn't even go outside. Like, right? Why are you even near us with this? Get it away. Hey, Throw toilet I, water on it. Yeah. I could be mistaken, but wasn't there like an open garage next to the Toyo booth? At least initially. No, that was after the fact. Okay. Well, yeah. they, they, they did obviously not open they that opened door. it to get it yeah. out that way. Um, and then shout out to our friends at uh, ExoMod, um, Rick, who car almost got hit by it as they were willing because they were pushing it with nobody, nobody in the steering, steering it. So, yes. Oh, boy. Props to them for being near that thing while it's breaking down. But yeah, weird situation. Glad it seems to be okay. Nobody got it worked hurt out. Or anything, it worked out so. for itself, yeah. It was, guys, it was fine. You guys got back here unscathed. No singe marks. Well, we may have taken five years off of our yeah. lives by get, inhaling Get back lithium. to being 30 years in <laughs> researchmesobook.com. <laughs> um, okay. All right. is, is that all you wanted to say on That's that? That's all I wanted to say. Okay. I, I wanted to just kind of un, unvilify, I guess you could say, the electric car because you can't just say, an electric car caught on fire next story because then it would just be a whole thing about how electric cars are the devil and they're going to ruin everything. Brad, so. you're you're conveying subtleties to this? <laughs> Brad, it's one way or another. Well, just uh, hardliner. I, mean, I think they, they I have their guesses. uses. They have their uses. We <laughs> actually wrote in the Tesla team an underground tunnel thing. Yeah, I was going to get to that. You want to just go right to that right now? You might as well. I guess. Yep, that's fine. So, Elon Musk. Yep. Who? Yes, exactly. A very uh, controversial figure, I guess, at the moment. That guy's now the owner of Twitter. Sure. Doesn't affect my life at all, but that's okay, because I'm not on Twitter. But he, a couple years ago, said, hey, Vegas, you guys know about trains? (laughs) And then Vegas was like, yeah. He's like, what if we made it so that every three people required a separate vehicle with a driver? So kind of, kind of, I'm that's, listening. That's kind of my theory because he built this tunnel company under this tunnel underground called the Boring Company, which is yep. a funny funny name. I get it, Boring Company. It's boring. He's also yeah, done yeah, other yeah. things with that company. Sure. So he bored these tunnels underground. Yep. And then instead of putting a subway or a train in them, he has Teslas drive through them. Now the theory initially was to have self-drivers Tesla Teslas go through them or regular traffic to be able to use them. However, it didn't work out so well. Uh, legality wise or reasonably wise and putting strangers unsupervised in cars is obviously a bad idea especially in vegas so it just didn't work out so now you have this underground tunnel system strictly for the convention center strictly for the convention center which just drives you from one side to the other probably saving about a quarter mile to a half mile of walking so i do appreciate it but Again, and I a train. We were actually told that uh, a car had broken down inside the tunnel before. I, they have broken oh in the tunnel. They have crashed into the walls. Oh yeah, yeah. There has we, been yeah, incidents in too. there. Yes. So what? What would eliminate all of that? Would be like, oh, I don't know, something on rails, a, a train. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, let's let's make an electric train that just does loops back and forth and can put two hundred people on it at once, and you wouldn't have to worry about the situation. And, and because have it's Vegas, multiple drivers, they could bring in an artist to perform in the tunnel. That would have residency in the sure. underground tunnel. Sure. <laughs> I, I 100% like it. I see Britney Spears yeah, underground in Vegas idea, every TM, day. TM, TM. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's legal now, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's, um, a, that's a trademarking work. You just say it. <laughs> yep. Well, TM just, it enough. Yeah. yeah. All I understand is you ha- you once it's out there, you have the proof of being the first person to reference now it. Your but, intellectual property. But it's a local copyright versus a uh, like long-standing legal copyright. So, so I own the local copyright. So, right. so all I have to say is I never heard right. Jeff say it. And I'm off the I hook. feel like if you were that specific, they'd be like, that's a little bit sus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think it comes down to who has the most money, the better lawyer at that point. But. See, it is. It's What makes it the most ridiculous is that they didn't even come remotely close to what the original idea is. The original idea, I believe, was actually to help relieve traffic congestion. Sure. And now that it's a glorified convention center transport, seems yeah. like you, you a quarter measure also of the work? total. I mean, you've obviously been to an airport, right? Yep, they have moving walkways. They would do. Have, would have been that the would have thing. been huge in the convention center. So the convention center has overhead walkways that help you get between it, so you don't have to step on the streets of Las Vegas. Correct. And it's super helpful if they had those moving things sure. in there. Holy smokes, my feet would appreciate it. Yeah, and I would get into the building so quickly. There was one day that our like the step meter in my watch said what twenty six thousand steps, which is like thirteen point five miles. So we did a lot of walking last week. Yeah, your your watch had thermal runaway after all that? Yeah, I think it did. (laughs) You know what the most frustrating thing was? And I should have mentioned this earlier as far as first experiences in SEMA. What frustrated me was every day we got back and I would get on social media or whatever to unwind and I would see something that we had not seen yet. And I was like, where is that? I need to find that. And even at the end of SEMA, we spent considerable time in every single building. And there's still stuff. After people told us where it was, it was not. We could not and find. And we still did not see everything in its entirety in the SEMA. The Batman Tumblr was the most frustrating. It escaped not because oh, I wanted to see it the most, but because A, it's gigantic. Uh, I don't yeah, know how, how do you it. miss that? And B, I never even saw pictures of it, so I don't even think it was there. No, it was definitely there. Oh, there okay. were pictures of it driving away in the parade which and driving on the Las Vegas freeways, which frustrates me in, in the strip. Oh, yeah. Well, they also did a test drive of the Formula One cars in the strip on Thursday night, which we had no idea which was happening. Which was totally unrelated to SEMA. That yep. was to promote the upcoming Vegas Still race. Still would have liked to have known it was happening. Oh, yeah. I'm so they did it again on Saturday, the day after we left. Also, the part I don't understand is we were invited to an array of uh, after parties, which yep. is a networking thing that happens at SEMA sure. um, after the regular work hours. However, most of these parties started at 10 or 11. Right. And by the time we were done with our normal filming and talking to people and networking, I was exhausted. It was time fed. <laughs> yeah. yeah I have sure. no clue how people manage to care. I don't know if they take power naps. I have to know what the secret is to carry know. over to those parties. I can't tell you. It's probably illegal. <laughs> yeah. You got to go to the bathroom and powder your nose, I guess. Yeah, something like that. We, we got invited to one that we were all kind of wanted to go to, but it was like... 9 to 1 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. and we're like we have to start at 7:30 again tomorrow morning like i am not Oof. right i'm not living this lifestyle i am too old for this they can go party by themselves right oh, <laughs> Which i'm sure they were by themselves but i slept soundly so that's all that matters yeah you however, made it, man yeah we were grief. sure to make an appearance at shelby american we did make the shelby american after party which that was there was their after party was at normal hours yeah, it was at like six. Nice. Actually, it started at four thirty. Yeah. Started before SEMA even ended. <laughs> yeah, I think that has a lot to say about the customer clientele of Shelby. They're a little bit older, maybe a little more reserved than the uh, nine p.m. drift driver party that we got invited yeah. to. <laughs> a little yeah. younger of a crowd, maybe. 
Right. I'm uh, guessing so, yeah. Yeah, Shelby was cool. I, I, I didn't really understand what their facility was. It's where all of the Shelby it's converted the cars come from. And also, factory. they have the museum, like and you said. And there's actually a second building they don't tell you about that's for storing cars that are completed. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm assuming there's a lot of storage somewhere. Yes. Yeah, there's a second warehouse. Could have spent a lot of money in the gift shop buying Shelby branded accessories. They have. A, is, is there the an accessory shop. that you would want with the Shelby name on it? Because I guarantee they make it. Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Headphones? Uh, Absolutely. To be fair, that, is, that <laughs> speaks true, though, to Carol Shelby's character. Oh, nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah. He, he would put his name on everything yeah yeah 100 nothing has changed you could buy anything you wanted there shelby energy drinks could have bought shelby yes energy they drink. did have shelby energy drinks which to uh again more corporate chill stuff here uh we've actually uh, interviewed aaron shelby who currently works on the board for shelby american and then we've also interviewed sean shelby uh hmm. which uh he's not directly involved with the company but he does a lot of stuff with the company still with those last names i wouldn't even imagine how they got involved <laughs> Yeah, not no clue. It's almost like they're you just know, dumb luck, I guess. They're I guess. roommates with the, uh, yeah, I guess that's what roommates with Carol Shelby. Well, they um, change their name when they work for the company. That's how it works. Mm, yeah, I think that that's in the contract, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, another booth I missed, and this is totally on a personal level. I'm a giant diecast car nerd, as yep. everybody here knows at least. Maybe all the listeners don't know. Uh, there was uh, green light collectibles at a booth which we did not oh, find really? and they were giving away special edition SEMA 22 164 scale diecast Mustangs. Why uh, you, I don't remember you bringing this up because see I would have made that a dedicated beeline. I didn't, I didn't know it existed until after the fact. Oh, that was the problem. Because yeah. we did see M2 machines we and did. we saw Jada. Yep. Yep. But no uh, no freebies from them unfortunately. Actually well, no Jada, Jada was giving freebies. away freebies. If you like micro machines they nothing, were giving away micro machines. Though, so Oh, as a, as a diecast nerd, I was a little upset that we missed the green light booth. But yeah, that would have been cool. I was considering purchasing one after the fact, but I don't know if it's the same. I mean, we were kind of working after all we were there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the end for it. I would love to go back somehow on the company dime without having to work. <laughs> right, that's how that works. <laughs> you just call yourself uh, an influencer. That might work. I think it's what we were. I mean, we're making YouTube videos, right? And you made TikToks. That's right. That makes us influencers. To be fair, but, we are influencers because you know what I found out while we were there? Uh, speaking with our man Rick from Exomod again, who's getting two plugs now in the episode. Um, we had some stuff perform really well regarding his 68 C68 carbon charger car. Um, and we've apparently directed a lot of interest his way. Um, so he nice. was extremely thankful for that. So in a sense, we are influencers, air quotes, influencing people to spend their money. That's right. I like it. But it was, yeah, it was, it was a heck of an experience. I, I do want to do it again. I would definitely do it again under working conditions. I definitely like to go one time. I think under like no, just for fun, just for fun, just no agenda, just go wander around. Maybe not even do the full time there. Maybe do like Wednesday to Friday or something. <laughs> Cause so, it was, it was a long week, but it was definitely a good time. And I, I would recommend anybody that can go to go. Uh, it is air quotes, a industry only event. There's plenty of ways to get in without being it in the tur- industry. It turns out, turns out, uh, I've been sold a bill of lies for a lot of years where I thought it was very difficult to get well, in the Well, they started SEMA. selling tickets last year? Did they the sell tickets initially? to the public? I don't know if they did it this year, but I know for sure last year they were offering. I know there were they a had lot a limited of, number. I know there were a lot of people there that, without being too judgmental, were not in the industry. And they were, 
And if they were in the industry, they weren't behaving like they were in the industry. They were. Yeah, they were there was a lot of interesting behaviors for out sure. Of, out of line people that were there, which is not cool, but. Like drunk and belligerent or. Well, they do sell booze all day, which is interesting for an industry event. Yes. So there's wow. definitely some of that. Yeah, we, we did not partake, but no, it was. because we were working. Uh, yes, we yeah. were working. Um, but that I didn't even think about connecting that with the industry thing. That's kind of funny. There was a, occasional freebies, but I mostly picked up business cards. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was some, I don't know, less desirable behavior at the event, which I don't love. We also watched somebody drop a cell phone on a car. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. On the fender of a painted show car. Yeah. And then he proceeded to pick it up and just walk and around, the around the car and yeah. hung around the car taking more pictures. Man, if I did something like that, I'd be gone so fast. I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> Every single build there is usually hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. This was like a 58 Chevy, like, sand delivery wagon thing that was in the mother's booth. And it was very nice. Yeah. And we heard the dunk, and we're like, what the? And we looked around, and he's picking his cell phone off of the fender, and we're like, oh, God. Good grief. Kill yeah. me right now. Kill me right now. Yes. Embarrassment. The amount of people, like, touching stuff, the one that got me, right? So, Rhino Lighter. Uh, you gentlemen are both very familiar with it, I would assume, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. It obviously product. has a texture, right? Yeah. It obviously has a texture. There was a Bronco that was covered in it, um, the full exterior. I watched a guy walk up to it and stare at it for a sec, and then touch it. And I was like, Really? You couldn't figure out what that was going to feel like right. by looking at that. <laughs> have you Might ever have seen that drinks. pickup truck thing? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there were a few cars outside that were covered in dust, and people had, like, written in the dust on them, too, which was... Oh, yeah. That was depressing. Yeah. It's not public property. No. No, it's not. That's yeah. what I mean. It's, it's for a quote-unquote industry professional-only show. It was definitely... Not wonderful, but it's still it's still worth going. Uh, it's, oh, it's so worth it's going. It's definitely easier to get in than you think it is. Uh, if you have any kind of, you you can figure out a way to get in there. Go go on the website, try to get tickets, and go. Um, Especially because you'll you'll see all of your favorite celebrities. We went to go film a video with the Hunicorn that'll be coming out, and yep. in the process of filming the video for the Hunicorn, uh, Ken Block and Brian Scotto, after we watched them that morning give a speech for the opening of SEBA, um, ended up going to the Hunicorn that we were working on filming. So that's sure. kind of a good idea of what can happen at SEMA. Sure, and a couple of different people we met, builders of cars, just by being near the cars. I mentioned we interviewed the David Borla. The date of yeah. exhaust. Yes, I assumed he was related to. Much Correct. Like, much like the Shelby's of Shelby. Correct. Yep. S- similar situation. Yep. Uh, yeah, with lots of people. We got to talk to one of the guys that uh, designed some of Kevin Hart's cars. Yep. So that video will be coming out as well. Salvaggio? Oh, gosh. Salvaggio uh, designs? Sounds right. That does sound right. Dave, so Dave Salvaggio is the builder. We talked to the designer. Okay. So that guy worked with. Uh, Savaggio to build Hart. yes, and Kevin Hart to build the car. Um, specifically, we did his Michael Myers themed Roadrunner, yep. uh, '68 Roadrunner, I believe. Yep. Were they involved with the car that uh, he got in that bad accident in a while uh, back? I, if they were, they don't bring it up. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, obviously, it's not yeah. their fault. But I'm wondering if the you know they were the ones that created it, and then it just got. No, he's written off. quite a few different builders. He's got a pretty big variety of cars. Actually, on the back side of the Magnaflow booth. Uh, was the entire Kevin Hart collection, and he yes. had four cars there. Yep, he had the including the Roadrunner, quote unquote mint condition, nineteen sixty Corvette, sixty Corvette. That, I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was yeah. Right. It was, it was mint it was in 50, color, fifty eight to sixty two, somewhere there. And it was earlier because didn't have the Stingray taillights, so it was. Anyway, it's customs. So it's hard to tell yeah. the differences, yes. unfortunately, because a lot of the differences have cool changed. Car. The color Very was cool great. Very cool car. He had a Grand National that was in there. They had another. 
charger, charger 69 charger full carbon fiber oh okay pretty, pretty nasty build and there was one more car in that list buick the corvette the charger the roadrunner the roadrunner that we did and there's one there were four cars in the back of the magnifold booth I forget well what there was also was. the baseball players truck there were four cars in the back of the magnifold booth in a line no there was no it was just three because so you're thinking of okay Maybe. so there were tj Hunt's cars in the front and sure. then you had those three the corvette the charger in the back and then in the regular um mcguire's, McGuire's booth, booth where we also the spoke with the mcguire's roadrunner yeah we've well. got new product stuff coming out mr desantis over here uh actually interviewed uh forgetting his name um i remember alan helped us out with uh, from McGuire's, the gentleman from set, McGuire's set us yep. up with both uh, the interviews. Yeah, no, it was it was a, it was a great experience. So maybe you should uh, try to come tag along next year. I, I'd like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds good. I just, you know, I don't plan on getting married again, so I'll be free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting timing if you were getting married again next exactly one year from the first time. That would be yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know people renew their vows, but I, I think that's like a. 25, 30 year thing. Yeah, every yes. year. You gotta do it now. I tell you, I'm not coming every year. That's commitment. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, it was, it was, it was a great time. I, I don't, I don't have enough to say about what you can see and everything. New cars, old I, cars, built cars. Yeah, there are over a thousand built cars, cars that aren't quite running. Yeah, well, that's that's SEMA, right? The home of the Bluetooth, bre- home of the Bluetooth drive, drive shaft. shaft. Yep. So there were the, plenty of non running cars. One of the questions, actually, Real quick, I'm all over the place today. Going back to celebrities, I don't fanboy very often. I don't get like super excited for celebrities. Yep. There was a sighting we had that made me really excited for us for a second. Uh, So there was a spot where it was almost like a two floor escalator, very tall escalator. The escalator was the one I thought you were going to bring up. The escalator was broken, so you had to walk to the top. Uh, this individual had walked to the top office area before us, and he's a bit on the older side. And he had to sit down and take a breath, and his entourage is around him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice it until I was about five feet away from yep. my we full time yep. childhood hero. Like the guy that I was thought was the coolest guy ever. Always wanted to meet him. He was looked winded and surrounded by people, so I couldn't even say hi. But I was within five feet of Richard Petty this week. And that makes me super happy. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting experience because I think we were nonchalantly going to the media room. We were headed to the media center to eat lunch or relax or to find food. Yeah. I don't even remember what we were doing. And uh, we were walking by, and I remember seeing this gentleman sitting down with the entourage, and I see, him, a funny I see hat. the hat yeah. with the feather sticking out of it. And I was like, wow, that looks like you know something Richard Betty would wear. That's kind of funny. And I'm staring at the gentleman a little bit more, and I go, wait a minute. There may be a Richard Petty attached to that hat. That is Richard Petty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Brad and I looked at each other and gave that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, so that Vegas. Was, it could have been an impersonator, but no, uh, this was hundred yeah, percent Richard, Richard Petty. Oh no! Yeah, I, like I, said, I, yeah, I yeah. don't. I don't often do that. Like you know, fanboy. Like you know, teenage girl seeing the Beatles for the first time, kind of thing. But seeing Richard Petty was kind of neat. Like I mean, oh yeah, there's he's a tons legend. of industry people there working too. The amount of times that Larry Chen walked by me doing something oh, yeah, was also a lot. Just doing his job, right? And then you know most of the videos we filmed we usually ended up bumping into builders or designers or owners of sure. the cars even too so there's a lot of those featured in a lot of the videos that'll be coming out here uh subsequently yeah, we we were doing an interview with a gentleman who built a well didn't build a, a gentleman who owned a rwb yeah. porsche which is a super high-end fancy porsche yeah. and just talking to him and he talking about his you know his instagram and talking about his instagram it turns out that we're uh, both 
early 80s Cressida owners and big fanboys of the 80s Cressidas. So and you were called the Cressida, Cressida radio guy the yes, rest of the weekend. Yes, I was. And uh, we uh, made new Cressida friends for me just from talking about his Porsche, which we wouldn't expect talking to a guy who drives this like super high-end custom 911. He's that, bought multiple cars to SEMA. Yes, third trip to SEMA, his third car. Yeah, he's got he's, full articles shot by Larry Chen on all his other cars. And he happens to also have old Cressidas, so. Uh, Rick, you also Ricky have a Porsche. Way. He's my people. Yeah, I don't have a... <laughs> I, I believe his name was Ricky Porsche. Way. It still counts, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Ricky Ricky's, Way. Ricky's Way was his name. Yeah. Um, W-A-I. Rico, Rico's Way. Rico Rico's Way. way. Yep. yep. Sorry. That's, that's his Instagram. Yeah. I prefer Carlito's Way, but that's just me. Well, yeah, well, this, this guy doesn't have the same uh, <laughs> attachments. <laughs> just has some nice cars. Yeah, there's... The, you know what else was a first for me? So... I uh, have never been to Japan or anything like that, but still have an affinity for, for JDM cars. And there was a gentleman from, I believe it was Outsider's Garage. Uh, the builder there um, did not speak English. And so I had someone translate for me um, to get the specs of an all carbon fiber R32 GTR. Full carbon fiber. Yeah, so like that was a new one for me. I've never talked floor. to somebody with like, a translator. Not just carbon fenders and doors, like carbon quarter panels and unibody structure. You know what the most surprising wow. part about that was? Is the total weight reduction was only about 100 kilos. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Carlito can help us with that measurement of pounds. <laughs> he I, sure could. <laughs> he was know. still alive. <laughs> I don't know the measurement of pounds there, but it's probably what? Less than 100 pounds? Well, I'll look um, it up. Yes, I think that's right. So the reason that the re- weight reduction was so low, I think, was because it was no longer a stock R32. It, it had, had an RB30. Wheels. It had an RB30. It had a full cage. It had a lot of stuff that would... But it was also producing like a 1,000 horsepower. Add so. to the weight. So 100 kilos is roughly 220 pounds. All right. All right. We did that backwards. Yeah, we did it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Obviously, we're not... We're not. Wait, did you say 220 pounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty significant for an, a GTR. It's yeah, pretty that's, significant that's for a car that only weighed like 2,800 pounds to begin and with. And is now making over triple of what it's, the factory is. 700 was. horsepower? No. Uh, I think it was currently producing roughly 930 oh, with okay. the intention of cranking it up to closer to 1,200. Excellent. Was it the stock block or was that? RB30. I guess no, it's an RB30. Totally, so yeah, an three R- liter. Yeah. Totally modified gigantic turbo that my head could fit inside. I don't know <laughs> if it was a billet block or a standard block, a board out block, but it was definitely full custom internals and custom head. And yeah. Because it would factory, it would have been an RB26, Correct. which is a 2.6 liter. Yeah, and they're, uh, we're going to have a video coming out on this. And then sure. one of the things that made it most interesting to me is when you see a high horsepower build on an all-wheel drive car, typically they're converted to rear-wheel drive. This sure. was still all-wheel drive. Well, not always. All the GTRs well, aren't. Not always, yeah. but typically, you know, the hassle of bulletproofing an all-wheel drive system just requires you extra You see a lot effort. of the drag cars are still all-wheel drive. But anyway, it was a super cool build. I don't think I ever would have seen that car in person and to see that car in person was pretty intense so yeah and it had like a midnight purple tint to it sure. over the carbon yeah like a clear clear purple over the carbon which you can see when you check out the youtube video that'll be going up on the Absolutely. youtube channel see jeff's the completing the master chill circle today um, one thing i need to circle back to before we uh end this episode but would be the uh hoonigan burnyard so the Hoonigan Burger sure. happened twice a day, every day except Friday. Uh, we went for one day, and it's it's actually kind of interesting because every day they have different cars going through. So each show will be different from the yeah, last there's show. Some, some some repeats, but there were definitely different cars all the time. Yeah. Um, 
when we went, I believe, Brad, if you remember when we were leaving, it was really fun and entertaining. Um, but there's uh, quite often moments where there's just nothing but white smoke and you can't see what's happening. Sure. Um, which I think, you know, speaks volumes of what's happening to these cars. Um, people are full send and crashing the uh, we saw several cars. Yes, we saw several cars that are now damaged, getting thrown away or replacing quarter panels. Yeah. Um, but when we were walking away, I mentioned something about how easy it might be for tire pieces to get flung out sure. and uh, potential even tire. Well, we saw a couple of tire pieces yep. fly into the audience. Well, and they're smoldering. hot, smoldering tire pieces. Like, um, and they're not you, light. No. Did you see the news, Brad? Did you see did. what happened yes. on Friday? Yeah, the Challenger. So a tire exploded off of a Challenger and actually landed on a SEMA vehicle. Yeah. Ooh. Well, yes. R- ruined the hood, windshield, and roof yes. of a OBS Chevy truck. It yeah. just flung the whole carcass then. Sounds yes. like a yeah, pretty much. at least. Yeah. Good grief. Oh, but you know how much damage they can do when you hit them on the highway? They yep. do the same thing flying out of the sky at hundreds of miles an hour. Well, see, it's funny you say that because in my R129, I have had a tire blow, which is no longer with me. But uh, when the tire blew, nothing got damaged on the car, fortunately. Yeah, I've had a tire com- completely separated while driving as well. It's not, it's not fun. No, no, it's not. It's but not fun. Typically, they don't explode or fly on the surrounding cars. The, the most... Mind-boggling thing to me about the whole Hoonigan Burnyard experience is these people don't work for Hoonigan. Correct. They're they just don't. independent contractors. Well, okay, sorry. No, some some of them there. do. Some of them do work for Hoonigan. Some, some of them Ideas go sure. out. Mike Ideas went out and hurt went out. But most of these guys are on their own dime, bringing their car to SEMA. Not independent contractors at all because there's no money changing hands. Yep. Oh well, I, I thought it was a sh- you know I thought it was a show. I didn't I didn't realize it was you know it is a show. It, so let's let's set, let's set the stage here for those who don't know what the Hoonigan Burnyard is. Yep. So I'd say it's probably a thirty foot by thirty foot square. It's not very big. No, it's bigger than that. Sixty feet by sixty I, feet. It's not a hundred feet. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty because think. So what? What's the length of a sea container? Do we know that? Because it was certainly longer than it was two sea containers, fifty five feet. All right, one hundred ten. Okay, so one hundred ten yeah, foot by one hundred ten foot box that these people voluntarily go to. To okay. do burnouts. Oh, Rob Dom did it too. And do it doesn't work for Hoonigan, but and do donuts with their cars. Yep. Oh, okay. To the delight of the crowd. So yep. it's it's open to other people. It's not just a company thing. Correct. That, that's the impression I was under. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So they come Hoonigan in there. Hosts the event, Hoonigan obviously. The hosts, but, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they come in there and they drive their cars until their cars no longer drive. <laughs> Whether the tire comes apart or they smash into a wall so hard because you only have 100 feet in each direction and they're whipping these cars around at 75, 85 miles an hour in this box. I, I think it's kind of up to each driver, though, because we saw plenty of cars oh, leave you, you without don't, you don't crashing or to blowing go that their tires. Hard. But no matter what you're doing, you're hard on your equipment. Yes, without a doubt. Without rev, a doubt. Rev limiters are pings. Some people smash their cars into things. Yep. Some people blew tires off that blew the cars apart. Yep. Multiple cars caught fire. Good and at the end of the event. It was a good time. The end of the event. <laughs> for you. <laughs> five drivers in pickup trucks that weren't crappy pickup trucks. A couple of them were like full SEMA-style yeah. builds, like six-figure build pickup trucks. Five Chevy Silverado pickup trucks went out in this hundred foot by hundred foot box at the same time. At the same time, and all started yes. doing giant burnouts and donuts around each other until Der- Derek's they, making a what face? Yeah, yeah. Yes. until two of them like smashed into each other and just 
instead of like getting out and figuring out the damage, just pushed the two trucks nose to nose and, and just then did more burnouts. Did burnouts, so the tires blew off. <laughs> one one of them was a flare side pickup truck, which is a fiberglass bedside. The tire exploded and it took the entire bedside off the truck. Like, I don't. I don't. Weight reduction. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There you go. Goes I faster just, now. Maybe I just come from a different time when it comes from. I think almost every cars. single truck needed a new bed. Every truck had quarter panel damage. Yes. Zero trucks got unscathed, and I just don't. I don't get what you're doing for. The Grinch Entertainment. I, I enjoyed it. Not well, having a vehicle in there that was destroyed. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I yeah. had a good time, but I wasn't the guy out there with my six-figure build. Like, the guy was out there with. I get it's not my personal style, but I also know they're very expensive. He was out there with like 28-inch wheels. Oh, man. Doing huge burnouts. I don't know how much those costs are. Uh, lots of money. Like, more. The, a set of wheels and tires cost more than your 944. What? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I mean, some of these, like, supercar wheels, you see Brixton's, right? They're like 5K a piece. And that's what these things kind of cost. That's insane. Yeah. So it just doesn't make any sense. But, hey, I'm glad they did it because I enjoyed it. I did it. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, it was a little hard to see the 51 Chevy hit the wall. Not going to lie. Yeah, that one hurt. That was a pretty nice build, too. I like the, the whole look he had going on with that thing. So that car is a 1951 Chevy that was abandoned in a field. So it was not a great car to begin with. And he had a Lexus LS400 that was also abandoned in a field. And he went, mm. Lexus, Chevy, Sawzall, I know what I'm going to do. And he put the 51 Chevy body on the Lexus LS400 chassis and then, and then twin turboed the LS400 1UZ V8 and uh, made a drift machine out of it. But it's been around for like five years, so I'm sure he'll pull the back of it out and just continue to use it. I don't it. know. The way so. he uh, he actually got out to talk afterwards. So fortunately, what Hoonigan did do is if you smashed your car or obliterated something, they did give you the spotlight for a bit to uh, try and yeah. get some of the reviews and recoup your loss. Um, he made it sound like he was going to move on to something else. but Yeah. Um, anyway. It hurt a little bit, but sure is what it is. So well, I, I was kind of with y'all there in spirit because although I was not doing tricks, uh, I ended up taking some damage to my car. That's true. Uh, a collector car, an enthusiast car, no less. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, less than 30,000 miles on this bullet, and uh, some guy... And you've owned it for like four weeks. Yeah, that, that's probably the part that hurts yeah. the most. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's I got it what September third, um, and yeah, this that's what happens when uh, you don't pay attention to who's in front of you. You end up uh, tapping somebody's bumper. No, that's not you tapping well, somebody's bumper. No, yeah, true. clear. Yeah, somebody this guy else did wasn't paying man, attention. Yeah. He tapped you sitting at a stop sign waiting to turn. Well, yeah, you know exactly, what, Derek. If you just kept it in the garage and never drove it, you could have avoided that situation. Yeah, which is apparently what the previous two owners did, but uh, yeah, I, I I daily it. So, um, yeah, that's the risk you run, apparently. Yeah, it is It is unfortunate. Thankfully, the damage is not too bad. And more thankfully, you and your wife are okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so. exactly. It was, it was just cosmetic. It wasn't functional or, you know, physical damage to us. So, but um, as long yeah. as you and Ellie are good, then everything's good, right? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, what a what a show, guys! That is uh, that's nuts, and that's on top of uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna take the uh, corporate shill uh, torch right now. Yep. That is on top of Jeff's coverage of the Barrett Jackson Houston show. So uh, be sure to watch out for that as well yes. on the site. 
Yeah, there's some of that already There is out. no shortage of content. Yes. Uh, so we will have a ton of stuff coming out. So if you're bored over the holidays hanging out with your family and you're just like, oh, I can't believe I'm here with my family. Well, lucky for you, we have automotive content coming out on both YouTube channels. Yeah, per- personally, I plan to eat enough ribs and hot dogs and burgers that I pass out. So I will there have no time for social media content. <laughs> I don't know about your family. We don't do ribs, hot dogs, and burgers on Thanksgiving. No, not Christmas. really. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, my family's a little bit more traditional. Yes. Um, that being said, there have been some Christmases where I was changing gas lines on the 73 Corvette and that was very cold. If you've ever had the experience of smelling cold gas as it runs all over you, you should try it. Christmas cold special. Cold gas probably. You know what, Jeff? I'll pass. Uh, <laughs> it was old. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a good experience. You know, builds builds a character. Well, I, I, I was talking about, you know, this upcoming weekend as far as the burgers and all oh, that. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanksgiving, right, right, of right, course, right, the burgers, right, right. the stuffing, all that kind of stuff. It was Ooh, just an opportunity to make a joke. So I, I took it. will take this opportunity to be more corporate chill stuff um, because this is Veterans Day coming up. We have sure. quite the interesting video going live on Friday. So be sure to check that out. It's very appropriately When this themed. episode goes live. That episode will well, already be should out. be live, yeah, because yeah, this so. episode would not be going out for probably two weeks. There's a cool veterans video coming out. Okay, watch it. Veterans videos out. Watch it. So anyway, again, I want to thank everybody. Not again for the first time. I haven't done it yet this week. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd like to thank you, Jeff, and you, Derek, for joining me again and doing this podcast. Hopefully, you're all enjoying it. Hopefully, you come back next week. Hopefully, you suggest it to a friend to listen to because that's how we grow, right? So thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next time.